Hey Beach, we're going to be talking about kickboxing today. Uh, some good, some bad. We're talking about Rise World Series 2022. We've got a special guest today, all the way from Beyond Kick, from Dick Rot to Dick Hard, Den. Say hi. Hello, thanks for having me. Of course. It's uh, very exciting. Yeah. You don't have much time. We're going to talk about uh, Kazuki Osaki first and his fight mm-hmm. against Pizzani. Um I actually have appreciated Shiro recently because of my hate for Kazane. Um, Weird thing that's happened. It's just like I can look at Shiro and be like, oh, he does some cool stuff. But when I look at Kazane, I'm like, you're not fun. You're boring. At least he's fighting Kazuki. Yeah, no, he's fighting Kazuki, and their last fight was fun. Kazuki actually got Kazane to do things like throw in combinations uh to get kazuki to back up and stuff like that yeah i was just like looking up kazuki yesterday just on wikipedia and stuff and i looked back at like his first like debut to see what was going on in like 2012 or whatever and i found like a article about like reversible immortalization that enables genetic uh correction of like human muscles Okay, where are we going? In 2012? That? I don't know. It was just something that was like, I'm trying to find stuff on like a young kickboxer, and I'm finding out about artificial chromosomes and muscular dystrophy and shit. I don't know what that means, but maybe you know something, Din. What do you think about that? I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know anything <laughs> about science. What are you on about? Some cool things about Kazuki is his lead hand. Uh, He's a bit of an inside fighter. He'll push you with his kicks to either side. Try to get in with that sometimes. His high guard is... Uh, you can get him to not throw by throwing. But it's more so him trying to find uh, your timing and rhythm so that he can start throwing with you. So it just takes him a bit to, to find your rhythm. Sometimes he finds it off-rip. Uh, but that can give you the ability to build. They've already been in the ring together, so I don't yeah. think Kazuki is that concerned about throwing with uh, Kazuma as much now. Exactly. That was something that uh, Kazane was attempting to push Kazuki back and get him off of him by throwing uh, longer combinations that he usually does with hooks. Uh, weird thing about Kazane, I feel like he's got a pretty high accuracy with his straights, but his hooks he misses like fucking 80% of the time. I don't know what that's about. I don't know if he doesn't train it often or what, but he was using them effectively against Kazuki. Sort of effectively. Like, more effectively than he usually does. Uh, which made the fight competitive, but it was still a clear Kazuki win because Kazuki was moving forward and then... Uh, finding way harder shots through those but yeah you got, you got to knock them to build yeah i kind of wanted to talk about kazuki's uh history with issei ishii a little bit because i think it contextualizes him pretty well he drew with issei back in like 2014 and he was like six uh 18 something like that um and then the following year he fought issei again and drew with him and then in 2018, he fought him. And he lost by split decision, uh, which was a really good fight. Um, 
they have a pretty long pass because they end up fighting again in 2021. Uh, and Issei and Kazuki use similar tools back then that they use now. Uh, just way less athletic and experienced and thought out, obviously, because they're 18 and Kazuki's 26 now. Uh, but you could see that he already had like really good timing and distance management back then. And good eyes. And uh, you could see his potential off rip. By 2018, he looked pretty stellar. Like, there's a big contrast between 2014 and 2018. Uh, he built into his frame more, got faster. Um, it's like he put some time into strength and conditioning a little bit. And his rear hand was still more behind than his lead hand, which was always kind of his bread and butter for whatever reason. To this day, that's like, that is the thing that kind of makes Kazuki, I feel like. Uh, that's where he finds a lot of success. That's where he builds off of, things like that. But it's developed a lot since 2018. He was still having success with the lead hand back then against Issei. And his round kick, which is in his game still. And uh, I think it's a good look at how to see what a fighter looks like when they're developing their process. Uh, how minor improvements and your comfortability increases your ability to win fights. Um, like the way that Issei puts together combos in their first fight is less deliberate. Uh, there was just kind of a recklessness to it. Like he didn't really know how to uh, set up, you know, like a body shot and then get your hands down and then go up high or bring your hands high, go low, stuff like that. Um, and Kazuki's ring cutting just rapidly increased as well, um, which is obviously a big part of his game because he's a pressure fighter. Um, so and then, now we're here in 2022. Yeah. Um, so let's just get this like right off the bat. Who do you think went to Kazuki and Kazuki? Kazuki Stomp. Kazuki Stomps? Kazuki Stomp, yeah. I think, honestly, I think Kazuki can make it interesting. Because he showed in their first fight that, like, his, his frame's a little bigger. And, like, no. he, he has a size advantage. And he had good, uh, had pretty good success entering with his knees and going to the clinch. So I think if Kazuki does, you know, Kazuki things, makes it boring, makes it dirty, <laughs> I think he can eke out a split decision. That's definitely, like, his path to victory. Um, like some good things he was doing in his uh, first fight against Kazuki was the leg kicks and then like I said kind of keeping Kazuki active which I think Kazane could do again and obviously Kazane uh, he's got more experience now I forget when that fight was that was in like 2019 or 2018 20, or I think like it was 2020 maybe yeah um, but I think he could replicate some of the things he did in that fight, but improve on it. Kazane did beat Tension, so he like, did. Kazuki's not out there. Is that be possible? Kazane beat the the uh, former number one pound for pound beyond kick uh, kickboxer, so. That's pretty impressive. But yeah, Kazani couldn't really like contend 
with Kazuki in terms of a lot of the normal shit he tries to do. At least I don't think so, where he kind of uh, tries to pot shot you at range and stuff like that. Because Kazuki's ring cutting really like limited what Kazane could do without throwing. So I assume and- Kazuki's going to replicate that again. Push Kazane back, and then Kazane's going to have to uh, be more mobile and more active than he usually is. Yeah, and I mean, Kazuki's combinations have always gotten better. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, if he keeps consistent with the body, mm-hmm. I, I can see uh, Kazuki finishing. He knocked him down like twice in the first fight, right? I believe so, yeah. And Kazane actually had like some of his better, uh, better moments in that fight after the knockdowns. Which oh yeah definitely and like uh it kind of awoke him a little bit so but I think he'll carry that into the next fight. It's definitely going to be a great fight, like main event worthy for sure. Well, hopefully at least if Kazumi doesn't make it ugly, which I mean for him to win, in my opinion, he has to make it ugly. So potentials for, sure. for it for a boring fight here, honestly. Yeah, like uh, another thing is Kazuki's. Kazuki's become a better attrition fighter um, with the leg kicks and the body work and more accurate, I think. Uh, oh, yeah. But Kazani's actually got pretty good defense. Um, just with his simple high guard, he blocks a lot of shit. Uh, but again, I think Kazuki could could work him to to find a lot of uh, openings there and build off of that high guard. So I'm going Kazuki. I'm also going Kazuki, but I hope Kazane makes it uh, a split decision because that would be <laughs> incredibly funny. That would be the, uh, the story of his life. Um, when is uh, Rise World Series, by the way, Spencer? Um... That is uh, the 15th of this month. October the 15th, this weekend, Saturday. Hell yeah. The main card starts around 5 a.m. Eastern time for those uh, in America. Fuck me. All right, you want to go to Chen Yong Lee versus Khan Nakamura next? Uh, unfortunately, I have to get to class. I would love to talk about how Connor Kamura will knock the shit out of Chen Hongli <laughs> for being a way better athlete. It, it's as simple as that. But go have fun. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'll mm-hmm. talk to y'all later. All right, goodbye. See ya. What a sexy guy. All right, anyway, Chen Yongli versus Khan Nakamura. Um, Chan's actually fighting up for this fight. Uh, I think like five pounds, which. It's not very good um, in this instance. He's uh, way less athletic than Khan Nakamura. Um, I think this isn't for the championship for that reason. Uh, no, it definitely isn't. Um, Chan's the featherweight champion. And uh, I think if Chan lands like a single hard punch on Khan Nakamura, I will eat my entire house for anything you want me to do because I can't see that happening. Um, we had a really active 2019. He had like six fights that year. 
and then he took two years off, and he had his first fight against Kazuma this year. Uh, since then, um, he's not very fast, but he looked decent in that fight. Uh, he had a game plan to use attrition to his advantage, um, and he lacks in uh, his inside game. But a lot of the people who he's fought aren't that athletic, so he's been able to use his pressure footwork to uh, cut the cage and then work them with attrition and uh, his fucking meaty bulbous hooks that he has. A bit obvious, though. Um, and he looked pretty good against Yuki, for example, but Yuki's not good. He kind of just shelled up and like shit his pants the whole time uh, while Chan was able to just like uh, build and wombo combo the fuck out of him the whole time. Um, he also was like had a rivalry with Gunji Ameno, which if you're having a rivalry with Gunji Ameno, you're not good. Um, he was also like the losing end of the rivalry. He was one and two. Um, that tells me a lot. Uh, and he's fighting the only J kicker with a strength and conditioning uh, regiment. That's not good. Especially for somebody who's not that athletic. I don't think... Uh, no, Chan just hasn't fought somebody, somebody as athletic as Khan. Particularly the strength and the speed of Khan. Um, also somebody who can contend with him at all ranges and look to respond to his offense with offense. Like, if Chan looks to kick at him, Khan's gonna look to enter off of his kicks. Chan's, er, Khan's gonna look to enter off of his own kicks. And Khan has a habit of using his high guard, letting you work, and then building from there, or attempting to. But he cannot do that against Khan, because Khan's going to build. Khan's gonna use that to fuck him up. He's gonna have to use uh, tools to dissuade Khan's offense. The body attrition would be great because Khan can, Khan can gas, and partly because Khan just puts like 110 into like every fucking punch. But the the theme of Chan winning has to be uh, the game plan around slowing Khan down. Whether that's like inside leg kicks to fuck with Khan's entering, honestly, like clinching to stop Khan from being able to build in on the inside. Also, leg kicking could dissuade Khan a little bit from like planting, which would be good. But also see Khan using the leg kicks to enter off of those uh, or attempt to. He also needs safe counters, like framing and the kneeing, stuff like that, which he can do. Because Khan's going to beat him to the punch. Uh, and Khan's going to go first as well, which is not a good look for Chan. Uh, Khan is good. He's got a lot of good people on his record. Uh, his game is a little less cohesive than some others. Uh, he's got some things in mind every fight, like pushing the pace. And he almost always finds success doing so. He'll get a bit careless, though, with his offense, like against Yaman, for example. Um, 
and sometimes he has ideas to build threats through feints in his lead hand and stuff like that. And then eventually he'll just start bonking you. And people have gotten into fights by Khan's game plan unraveling a bit, especially once he starts gassing. But it's definitely good when Khan looks to enter off his lead hand, which is something that he usually starts with. You're going to look to see that in this fight. He's got pretty good eyes as well, and I don't think he'll have any trouble uh, seeing Chan's punches, considering Chan's speed. I'm really harping on that because Chan is slow as fuck. He'll also physically push you, usually to gather distance for himself. Like, he'll push to the inside, and then he'll be so on the inside that he'll kind of frame and then push away. Uh, but look to stay on the inside just enough to get the punches out. But that'll also be good for him pushing you to the, the ring. And his durability is really good as well. Uh, he's strong as fuck, like I said. I think it's going to be a wash for Khan. Uh, and that's actually the main event for this fight. So Next is actually the guy that I just talked about, Yaman. He's fighting Taiju Shiratori. Which... It's a pretty good fight. Um, it's very possible that this is like a fairly even matchup, but this could also just be like a wash to either side. We love Yaman in this house. He's really funny, whether he's doing it on purpose or not. It, partly because he's just a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> he manages to make himself kind of like a fool at press conferences a lot of the times. I think it was the last one against Catfish Ryusei. Where he tried to, like, posture on Ryusei by, like, getting in his face and shit. And then was, like, trying to fight him. But then he got double-legged by a security card and, like, scraped the back of his head on uh, one of the tables. And then through, like, the rest of the, the press conference, he just had, like, a napkin on the back of his head to stop the bleeding. It's funny. But his wins are really good lately. I think he was kind of shit in, like, 2018. And he's had like a recent turn of being good where he's just like put all the good stuff that he has and has worked it well into his game. And his eyes, I feel like he's seeing things better as well. Uh, he stays in stance a little bit better, he's more composed. And his inside fighting's just gotten a lot better. One thing that was always special about his game is his hooks. He'll use his high guard, wait for you to. He's similar to Justin Gaethje in some ways. He's got those Garth leg kicks, and uh, he'll let you hit his high guard and then throw a hook off of that. And that was something he did against Khan Nakamura. He'll also enter on your kicks and close the distance that way, and he'll look to respond to your kicks in various ways, like either entering, like I said, or kicking your kick uh, as you're putting your leg down or moving them and looking to punch you that way various things like that. Uh, but he's definitely a pressure fighter. He's good at cutting off your exits, pushing you to the cage with his footwork. Also, his range tool is really mainly just that leg kick, which is actually really good because that's mostly all he needs because a big part of his game is using your range tools to get on the inside. And then once he's on the inside, he can work you from there. He'll also enter off of his jab if he's looking to get... Uh, gauge reactions, or enter safely, things like that. Um, and his countering game is, like, one of the bigger parts of his game. He's got really good timing, and he sees well in the pocket. Kaiju, on the other hand, is uh, a former boxer. And you can see it with his punches. He's got really good mechanics. 
really snappy jab. Nice footwork. Decent footwork, more so on the front foot. He really likes mid to long range. He can do cool stuff like pivoting off of his lead hand. And he's got good knees. Uh, but his inside game isn't that great. Especially, so he's six foot and he's fighting a 5'8 Yaman, which I don't think is going to be great for Taiju, actually, on the inside, and then it's not going to be great for Yaman on the outside. He has a problem with his, his footwork on the back foot. It kind of just is all over the place, and sometimes he can get off the cage, but not always. And he'll shell up, and that's allowed people to build off of him. And that's something you really don't want to do against Yaman, which is one reason that this could be a tell of the fight that Yaman enters off of one of Taiju's kicks. Taiju uh, shells up, and then Yaman just takes advantage of that. But an, impor- an important thing to note is Taiju is an effective body puncher, and Yaman doesn't like body shots. So if Taiju can keep him at range using his body shots and his kicks and then using the inside just as like a brief moment but not letting Yaman build on the inside or stay on the inside for very long, that's his best chance to victory. Whereas Yaman obviously pushed for the inside. He's got really good footwork for that. And it's he can replicate what Taiju's last opponent did, uh, Ganapar, where Ganapar cut off Taiju's exits with leg kicks and his just his footwork in general, um, and was building on the inside, and eventually got the finish there. I think that's. I think I'm gonna go with Yaman on this one. I think Yaman's got more chances to victory, uh, but Taiju straight punching will be an important um, factor for, for Taiju's victory. Because Yaman kind of likes when th- somebody's throwing uh, hooks and stuff like that. He can build off of that better, get on the inside better, things like that. But if you can stop him with straight punches, it's harder for him to build. Uh, he still can't, but yeah, that's important. A small thing that I don't know if it's going to p- play a part, but I just want a big brain. Yaman finding timing on Taiju's... Uh, doubling up on his lead hand is a possibility. Like, either landing a hard strike off of Taiju retracting that lead hand, or building off of that uh, first strike that Yaman lands, and then obviously building from there, like I said. So yeah, I'm picking Yaman, but it should be a good fight. Next fight is Naoki versus Chad Collins. You might be thinking, that sounds very white against a J-Kicker. That doesn't uh, bode well very often. But Chad's pretty decent, actually. He's a Muay Thai fighter. His name was Shark in Muay Thai. He's an Australian guy. He's beaten like a few out-of-prime really good Muay Thai guys, like Pong Siri, who is a Lumpiti champ at 112 and 147. Uh, he beat Kaito in 2019, who's like the shootboxing sweetheart right now. And he's really good. He beat Noiri, for example. He also beat Fukashi, who's had a bit of a rough... Uh, last few years, but he's had two finishes this year, but uh, he was decent. He was the Rise in Rebels lightweight champ in 2016, and the KO super lightweight champ in 2018, I think it was. He also beat an older Pacorn in uh, 2017 Saxon, which is decent. 
So, decent record. Chad has a lot of like proactive head movement. He can kick from close and far range, which will be good against Naoki. And he likes to frame when kicking and kneeing occasionally. The inside leg kick of Chad could pose a problem for Naoki. Off-balancing him would be a great thing to do against Naoki. The kicking in general will be an important thing to, go- to do against Naoki because I think this is a rough fight for Chad based off of a couple things for Naoki. The, uh, I think it was Chad's last fight against Ryota, Nakano. Ryota was sticking a frame or a jab in Chad's face, and it was actually posing a pretty big problem for his kicking game. Uh, and they're at height parity. They're both like six foot or something like that. And Naoki is really consistent uh, with his jab. And it has that exact effect to push you back. Uh, he uses it either to enter, to stifle your kicks, things like that. And that could pose a problem for Chad. Um, Naoki's also fought more um, active and harder kickers than Chad in the past. I think it was Tension's training partner, Panawat, was one of them. And uh, Naoki also has a lot more tools on the inside that could pose a problem for Chad. Whereas Chad doesn't have much of a developed inside game. Naoki's isn't like that crazy, but it's better. Naoki, I think, will do a good job going forward on Chad. Being able to keep the range that he wants and decide the pace that he wants. Not that Chad wants. Another good thing that Naoki does is pushing you around when he does get on the inside. I don't think he likes the inside that much, but when he does, it's a lot of his lead hook uh, pushing you to get the angle that he wants to land a punch or to manipulate your guard so that he can get the, the angle for the punch. His persistence on getting um, better positioning, I think, will be good against Chad. Uh, and Chad's kind of just a bit weird with his footwork. Chad also likes to frame which could make it hard for Naoki to build. Um, he can limit Naoki's offense by clinching, which Naoki also does occasionally, but um, I think Chad's a bit taller, just by an inch. And uh, if he could take advantage of the kicking game, I think that's his best option, is to build from his kicks, land punches where he can. Um, but the number one thing is... Uh, is looking to uh, build off of his kicks. Aoki's kind of cool. I like him. I watched him sort of recently, and uh, I was just going down his whole history, and he cha- trained in uh, Goju-ryu karate from like five years old. And in high school, apparently he was like planning on doing MMA, and then uh, it, that was actually a part of Goju-ryu uh, karate is like takedowns and shit like that. So it was working out, but made the right choice in doing kickboxing. Uh, but Goju Ryu kind of takes from like Chinese martial arts, like the kata and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know. It was a neat thing that I, I learned about Goju Ryu. It's, uh, it's done well for him in his career. And it's similar to uh, that Russian shit. What is it called? Sanda or whatever. But yeah, Naoki does a really good job with his footwork, staying off the ring, mostly circling keeping people at a distance with his uh, able to slip decent eyes at range. Once he gets on the inside, it's not as good. Um, but 
when he has his range, um, his eyes are good enough. Um, a possibility is that Naoki hasn't fought people who can cut the cage on him very well. Um, most of the good cage cutting you see that he did was against like Yuma Yamaguchi, who's not good. He just follows you. Uh, he got fucked by Kento Haraguchi uh, really hard, but that was at range, so you haven't seen much of him getting cage cut. Just something that I could see Chad doing a little bit. He tries to do at times. More so when he's going forward with his punches and stuff. But yeah, Naoki stands really tall, uses his high guard, looks to limit your exchanges. He uses his lead hand really well to build off of a stiff jab to get reactions, like I said. Um, and you actually like cannot ignore it. He also uses his front kicks and fainting the, fainting the front kick, finding offense from your reactions, and that's a whole nother thing, being able to faint you out, which is possible against Chad, but we'll have to see. He's got a decent shot selection. The things that I mentioned, he'll find shots as well, like uppercuts. I think his name was Mitsuru Nakao. Uh, he was finding good uppercuts, and his body kick is also another thing. And he doesn't let you kick him for free, which is another thing. He looks to kick with you, which is important, um, especially against somebody like Chad Collins, who's a kicker. You certainly have to work for it, being active, which Chad Collins doesn't really have a problem with. Chad's active, which is another thing that could be good against Naoki. You don't want to be inactive. But yeah, they're, they're both... I would consider a little bit substandard in their speed, which for the most part hasn't uh, hindered them against a lot of their competition. And since they're uh, about at parity, it'll be fine. But like I said, I think Naoki wins this unless Chad can really pull a game plan together. Next is... Uh, Kozuki Osaki's brother, Koki Osaki, versus Shiro. Koki's, Kozuki's younger brother, also a Muay Thai, a former Muay Thai fighter like Kozuki. He's part of the same gym, Oishi gym. Oishi's also got Sho Ogawa, who's on this card as well. But yeah, Koki looks to establish threats early, which is really good to see. Whether it's hard leg kicks, body kicks, and head kicks. He, he builds all three of those as he goes on. And he could just be hitting your guard um, to establish it's there uh, because they are powerful. And then building off of that with knees, feints, stuff like that. And then establishing the jab as well, building from that. This footwork's pretty good. He's got good distance management. Gets to the center of the ring really often. I'm not sure how good it is because I haven't seen fighters with uh, good consistent pressure footwork against him. And I don't think Shiro's really the guy to do it. But yeah, a big part of his effectiveness is from his control of the distance. Um, taking many steps to try and get like superior angles on you while throwing punches or kicks as well. Throwing something, pushing somebody back, and getting a better angle as they back up, stuff like that. Also, naturally moving on the inside or outside of the opponent's offense really well. Just good stuff to see. And he's pretty young. But yeah, Azusa 
Kaneko was a guy that pushed him back pretty well. Um, more in the third, after he kind of gassed a bit. And that was after two really dominant rounds by Koki. Um, and it was still a Koki round here, but he was a bit tired uh, in this last round. And it allowed Azusa kind of to build more as Koki uh, just kind of threw up his high guard and let Kaneko work a bit. Kaneko was just, like, dumb. Uh, so he didn't take that much of an advantage that he could have, which is probably partly why Koki uh, did that, because he wasn't really fearful of Koki's offense, so he could just put his off uh, high guard up and take that break and then recover from there. But uh, I don't think he wants to do that against Shiro. That would be ill-advised. Uh, a couple other good things he does is catching your kicks. He's pretty natural at that. Uh, and looking to find either offense by moving your kick and, and then entering off of that or off-balancing you. And, I mean, just in general, catching your opponent's kick is pretty good. Uh, if you have good eyes, like, uh, catching somebody's kick just forces, like, a reaction. Um, like you see against the Jimmy Vino versus Pat Morikot fight. You're either forced to concede, uh, and then from there, you can build off of catching that guy's kick, or they react uh, by either throwing uh, high, throwing low, things like that, and then you both have to adapt from there. Um, or if they get their caught kick, like Pat Morikot did, uh, you can throw punches with your kick caught. Um, but it's important to uh, know what to look at when you're catching somebody's kick. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. Somebody started talking to me. I don't know where I am. Um, I'm just going to continue. Uh, anyway, Shiro. Uh, Shiro was also a former Muay Thai guy. Uh, he actually fought in Lupini Stadium, which is one of the best stadiums in Thailand, uh, where some of the most elite fighters have fought. Uh, Shiro's really experienced, more experienced than Koki in this fight. Um, he's like 29 by this point, I think. Been fighting since he was a teen. Um, he's fought a pretty good array of styles against some like really elite fighters of different builds as well tall short all that um but a big thing is he's also coming off of two hand surgeries in this fight he broke both of his hands um but uh he's a really consistent kicker and he likes to fight on the outside um good kick defense as well he checks kicks blocks them with his hands um eventually will attempt to respond to them with either like a cross to the body or the head um, also entering on a kick, uh, looking for his lead hook, and then building quick offense from there. He doesn't really like um, long exchanges usually. He likes to keep them brief and separate from there. Uh, against Runkit, for example, he was doing those things. Uh, there's this cool moment where he kind of like dodges the kick by leaning back, uh, missing by like a hair, and then lands this like really hard uh, straight on him. That's a pretty good fight to see. Um, 
some of the general things he does. Uh, he also likes to jab you, and uh, that's a big part of his game. It's just his jab uh, and his straight punching. Um, he'll make straight punches to the body with hooks to the head, um, lead hook generally, but also rear hook. Um, he also takes kind of mini steps like Koki to find better angles and things like that, and he's got pretty decent, uh, actually good, uh, back foot footwork. Um, but he can get back to the, uh, the fence, back to the ring, rather. He does look to give you offense so that you can't do that for free, which is an important part of being a back foot fighter, to not let you just do shit for free. Um, either kicking you to keep the distance or uh, punching you so it's hard for you to enter, um, giving you counters, things like that. When Shiro fought uh, like one of the best pressure fighters in J-Kick, Masashi Kimura, last uh, on the match card with Tenshin versus Takeru, that was his last fight, uh, he got his ass kind of beat uh, pretty badly. Um, it was after having decent rounds, like good rounds. Um, but Masashi was just cutting the cage fast and effectively with his footwork. Um, cutting off exits, using leg kicks uh, to whatever side he's circling towards, um, fainting a ton, and looking to cross-counter Shiro's jab like off-rip immediately. Um, he was also building off of his lead hand doubling up, throwing one-two, stuff like that, Masashi was. Um, those are all things that are replicable for Koki. Not as well, but uh, he could certainly do. Um, Koki doesn't have as tight of a guard as Masashi. He's got a bit of an exaggerated head movement, as Masashi doesn't. Um, something else important for Koki to do, which I believe he will, is to not stop pressing forward um, if he's hit with something which is something that Masashi would do and something that Koki does consistently. If you punch him, he'll continue looking to press forward. Uh, Kamura did a good job as well, staying in his face. Um, not letting him get out of exchanges, uh, whether that's like brief clinches or just completely cutting off exits. Uh, and that led to the finish eventually. Um, although I can see Koki not giving ground, and I expect it, but I also see Shiro like finding exits and stuff like that. Um, and it was funny, Masashi kind of like knocks Shiro down with the sequence that Koki does, uh, where he'll throw like a cross and hit you on kind of like the top part of your head as you're exiting. Um, Masashi did it more with like a hook, whereas Koki does it more with a straight, but that's replicable. Um, also, just the fact that Masashi putting pressure on Shiro uh, with mostly his footwork got him to the ring. Um, Koki's really capable of doing that. Uh, I kind of repeated myself a couple times there, but it's important to look at. Um, I think uh, how good Shiro's kick defense is and how he looks to build off of that that will be important for Shiro 
and that's going to get him a lot of success because Koki is uh, a consistent kicker. He likes to kick with his lead uh, lead leg a lot too to your body, and then build off of that. But I think uh, they'll both look to build off of Koki's kicks. Shiro will look to counter. Koki will look to respond to that and build his own offense off of that. Um, but I think Shiro could find a lot of success off of that. I think this is this might be like the most competitive fight on the card, and I have a hard time picking which one because I think Shiro has the speed advantage as well. I'm gonna go with. Koki on this one, simply because of bias, not of reason that he's worse. I just enjoy him more. So now I'm going to go to the next one, which is a complete contrast to this one. Uh, it's Kensei Yamakawa versus Haruto Yasumoto. Kensei is is a character, uh, and his fight picks. He looks like Dante from like Devil May Cry, like a cosplayer but like he looks like he's undressing uh because he doesn't have any clothes on he's just got the wig on uh but like his uninterested face in the picture with his arms crossed make me think he's like like he's having sex with somebody and they asked him to like uh take the wig off and he's like slightly offended by that question or that proposition my first impression after that impression made me fall in love with him more uh, it was against G Doibu, uh, where he gets like goofily dropped by a jab very quickly in the first round, and then just fucking thrashes the bastard with knees and ends up almost killing him. Uh, it was a really fun fight. You should look that up. The follow-up impression was against Kisuke Monguchi, and the first and only comment on that fight is about him. It says, red corner punch like a chicken, lack of power. Laughing emoji, Cuban flag. I detect no lies. I could not have said it better myself. He's an active puncher, but he doesn't have power. His lead hand is important for getting things going in his game, using his jab and his lead hook, uh, either as like isolated offense or to put combos together or to end them occasionally. Uh, his inside fighting is a bit slow and his defense isn't very good. Uh, he's prone to getting caught a lot of because of his positioning. Um, when he uses his long boy tools, like his knees and his kicks, uh, and establishes those threats, he'll actually fuck you up pretty hard. Um, and he uses them within the pocket very well. Like, he's very dexterous, so he doesn't really lose balance or have to lean over super far or anything unless he's looking to lean back from a punch or something. Um, he also looks to use his backhand to kind of paw your punches at mid-range with his lead hand kind of low. And he likes a Philly shell, which is neat. Also a high guard. But again, he doesn't, he lacks a lot of footwork on the inside. And you can literally toss him around because of it and bounce him around on the inside. Because he'll just shell up, but he doesn't have the ability to respond sometimes because his feet aren't under him. Uh, so he just gets off-balanced. But generally, if he has the, the space, he does fairly good. Uh, his ring cutting is actually pretty good for some reason. He'll look to cut off your exits pretty consistently. Uh, 
but he doesn't have many damaging tools that he uses to capitalize on it. So um, a lot of his fights are closer than they should be. His game would be way more intimidating if he had more success landing. Um, landing is shit that actually like has power. Like if he just made his long boy tools more integral to his game, he could be more effective. But he's not really doing that for for whatever reason. His opponent Haruto Yasumoto is just like the most accomplished person I've ever fucking seen. He's got eighteen championship titles as a uh, amateur, two Rebels Pro titles, one being super flyweight. Uh, for kickboxing, one being featherweight for Muay Thai, then a super bantamweight innovation title, then a uh, WPMF Muay Thai featherweight title, then the knockout red featherweight title, and the WBC Muay Thai Japan featherweight title. That's like fucking, what, like 20-something titles for some reason. I like to think he's like trying to pad out his resume so he can like get an office job eventually, and they'll look at it and be like, oh, that looks pretty cool. I'll hire him. But yeah, he, he's got a more cohesive game than Kensei does. He likes to build off of a front kick, starting with that, building to other kicks, entering off of his feints, u- using his punches off of that, also a decent lead hook and jab. Um, he'll also use to enter off of, and initiate combos off of that. Um, but his footwork can also get messy in the pocket. Um, either being really forward heavy or square and he can kick the fuck out of your leg which is a good strat against Kensei that's worked uh, to beat Kensei in the past one important thing to note is Kensei has never fought somebody good before I've only seen him win and lose against people who are bad so it's up in the air who wins because I've, I've never seen him fight somebody good so I don't know also Haruto has a Luca Bordon playlist and Kensei doesn't so I think I'm going to have to go with Haruto on this one. Um, but it's really up in the air. Um, the next one's Shoko o- Okudara versus Taiga. I think it's better to contextualize kind of his career, Taiga's career, rather than just what he does. Because he's got a very long career. Um, he's a bit past prime by this point. He started in karate when he was a kid, inspired by his older brother, Hiroya who also fight, uh, fights, and one of the goats, Masato. Uh, he was an athletic talent by a young age and excelled because of it. Uh, as, far, as far as I can remember, he was looked up as one of the next big things around like 2014 or so. Uh, and uh, he starts in uh, the K1 minor leagues crush in 2012 against Ryota. And he has an explosive start. He's 16 or 17 by that point. Um, I'm going to say 17, but I can't remember. He's 26 now. That was in 2012. It was the end of the year, so I think he's 17. Um, Anyway, Taiga shows character off rep. Like, hands down, super relaxed, seeing things well. Really good stuff to see for young future development, stuff like that. What also happens to be really appealing when seeing an up-and-comer is often the athleticism and the craft that he shows. Looking to find openings with his rhythm changes, uh, he uses teeps to create distance and push Ryota closer to the ropes, and then uses that front kick as a feint to enter. 
some really quick reactions he was making were like the leg kicks that he would, or uh, leg and body kicks that he would catch. Uh, even as he was entering with his punches, he was still able to catch them. Also being able to slip punches and continue pressing forward. All really good stuff for a 17-year-old to already possess. Um, he also had really good readiness when his kicks were caught, or he'd be pushed back. Um, or if he was off balance, things like that, which that can't be understated as a skill. Um, to be able to see strikes coming from as many uncomfortable positions as possible is vital. Um, and some fighters even older, way longer in their careers, don't have that. Um, he also pushed through a knee that really fucking sucked. It almost dropped him. Like, it clearly made him shit his pants. You see him, like, grab his liver and then grab his ass and, like, put it back in him. Uh, I think that's what happened anyway. Uh, it, which is, again, really good for a 17-year-old to have the ability to get through things, push through things. And uh, he puts combos together. Uh, and one big theme of the fight is his really committed straight punching and hooks that he has, which continues within his career. Um, the culmination of this fight comes from Tiger's ring cutting, uh, being him like sprinting at Ryota, attempting to like take his head off with punches and knees, and then hurting Ryota with a spinning back fist as Ryota's exiting. And then he gets the second knockdown with a jab, uh, and then a cross to the body, and uh, a lead hook after that, a little combo. And then the third was the final knockdown, which is just a left head cook, like thwapping Ryota on the ear. After that fight, Taiga had eight more fights spanning over two years uh, before he makes his K1 debut, clashing against a 23-year-old Takeru, five years his senior, with five years more pro experience than Taiga. Mind you, this is a Takeru two years removed from his last loss in which he promised to quit if he ever faced defeat again. That's scary to go up against. I imagine this is like a pretty grand feeling for an 18-year-old Taiga going on like the biggest stage versus the most distinguished fighter he's fought yet. But, I mean, it starts off good for him. They're exchanging fates. Takeru's chucking his lead leg, and Taiga's looking to check or avoid them and eventually enter off of punches with them pretty quickly. Uh, Taiga uses his front kick at kicking range for a distance, which stays a tool in his game, entering off the lead hand in his fight. Uh, then Taiga commits to like a Superman punch, and Takeru looks to take advantage of Taiga being off balance, which is a good little experience thing to do, to take advantage of, some, of somebody being off balance. Taiga uses his lead hand fairly well, drawing out counters um, from Takeru, and getting shots off while avoiding the counters. And uh, the majority of the first round is Taiga um, playing with his lead hand, using feints and active footwork on the outside uh, posing a really big problem for Takeru and Taiga generally going first Takeru's like lack of ring cutting really did him in but in the last 30 seconds or so Takeru started finding more success going first and uh, he was starting to put co combinations together uh, although like clunkily navigating the pocket he still got shots in and then by the third round uh, the fight ends You'll have to watch that for that. Uh, they rematch a year later um, in the 55 kilo Grand Prix, both going 2 0. 
Taiga uh, knocking out one of his men in the third uh, and final round, and then Takedo finishing both of his guys in the first and second round. And Taiga looks imperturbable in the beginning moments of the round, ready for the rematch. Like he literally fought for this rematch. He shows some like really well balanced footwork, quickly taking angles on Takedo, finding good shots, good straight punches immediately. Takedo's looking to be more active than he managed in the first, making combinations work through Taigo's offense, but still being the slower of the two and uh, not going first still often. And Takedo takes advantage of Taiga's brief, la- brief lack of offense occasionally, where he'll just like put his leg guard up. And uh, Takedo was either punching really hard on the guard or splitting through the guard. And Taiga really didn't like either of those. Um, and then Takeru's body work really started taking over. And by the second, uh, after a brutal like last 30 seconds of getting his belly just battered, he starts trying to go first so as not to give Takeru that ability to build. And then this becomes a more active and competitive round in the third, uh, where Takeru actually looks to take advantage of the pauses in Taiga as well as trying to counter, uh, mostly missing and Taiga having success when he goes first. That was actually, sorry, that was the last 30 seconds, I think, at the first, and then the second was more competitive. And then by the third, um, Taiga just gets shitted on. He's just labored and tired. And then by the end of that year, uh, so I think he's 19 by this point, he fats up, gets to 60 kilos, um, fights my favorite construction worker, Leona Pettis, Losing by decision. Um, I'll let you experience that. I'm not going to talk about it. And then his 2016 will look pretty good after that with like three KOs, then fighting in the 60 kilo Grand Prix against Javier Hernandez and the Arabe brothers. Hirotaka, who he beats in this Grand Prix, and a rematch against Koya, who he beat in the final, in the final four months prior to this. But by the second Koya fight, Taiga looks really fucking fast. His calves are like popping and his tits big and nice to look at. His, I mean, his is pretty nice, uh, Koya's, but like his hands are both of them are looking pretty good, but I wasn't paying much attention to the hands, if you know what I mean. He did have good stuff with his lead hand, of course, looking re- to respond to Koya's uh, really close leg kicks with a jab or a lead hand to the body, stuff like that, doubling up on it. Uh, Koya is kind of a close in fighter. He's also a really good boxer, but he gets caught really hard and square on the ropes. Taiga does uh, with a cross that just labor- lasers through his skull as he like he attempts to counter a lead hook uh, from Koya and uh, a lead hook to Koya's double jab rather. But the theme of the fight is just Koya's superior in fighting and tighter punches. Um, also being more accurate and better defense, tighter guard, uh, and better positioning. And that was the end for Taiga in that fight. He would go on to pick like three more wins after that until like basically his version of 9-11 happens. You can just look at his Wikipedia and look at his record. Uh, you'll see what I mean. Um, one of those three is actually a Hirotaka Orabe rematch, and he performs pretty decently. But there's certainly a limit to his skill set that's shown uh, a lot more clearly in this fight um, and then you can just see it afterwards 
but Tiger's managed to keep a decent skill uh, skill level by this point. And although I think his athleticism has taken some of a hit, he's still competitive with really good fighters. Typically, most competitive with people who kind of lack uh, inside fighting. In uh, like Khan Nakamura, for example, um, I, I don't really want to talk about the site that is his post 2017 career. So we're going to segue to Shota. I don't have too much to talk about with Shota. He's uh, he's a newer guy, 20 years old. Um, he may be only like six years younger than Taiga, but their in-fight experience is vastly different. Taiga's been fighting pro since 2012 or so, and Shota's been fighting pro since like 2018 or so. Um, Shota's got a pretty active jab, jab in the lead hook. Uh, which is prevalent with a lot of kickboxers, as you see. He likes to enter off of that lead hook and that jab or to start a combination. Um, Shota's pretty decent at throwing offense on the back foot. Um, just small things like inside leg kicks or jabs, stuff like that as he backs up. Um, and he can also get fainted into backing up pretty aggressively. And if Taiga gives him threats like that, I think it'll make Shota a lot less likely to enter as a result. Also an active lead leg, which is good to have against Taiga. But what's, what I don't like is he's kind of got a lack of combinations. Uh, in his recent fight, fights, he's developed that uh, more. Flipping better in the pocket and things like that, but it's not where it should be. But yeah, I think Taiga will be the more explosive and faster fighter, more experience. And I'm not sure Shota has the physicality to actually contend with Taiga in the pocket. Um, more likely to look for like smaller lead hooks and straights, but not continuing more than that. Just brief uh, exchanges. Um, total step forward while using his lead jab or hook to stay in your face. I can see Taiga just stepping through that and looking to initiate his own lead hand combo while Shota's hand is retracting or something like that. It's a small thing, uh, but that could actually pose a pretty big problem. Uh, against somebody who's faster than you and more comfortable in the pocket than you. Uh, and like in Shota's last fight against Shigeki Fuji, he was having success getting deep on the inside. Uh, and Shota's like initial reaction uh, to people blitzing in on him is to throw a counter, uh, which wasn't really landing early. Um, and that's certainly replica replicable for Taiga to enter on uh, Shota's counters and look to actually take advantage of Shota's counters um, with his faster entries and stuff like that. Um, I think that's enough for that one. But next is uh, a guy that I mentioned briefly, Sho Iga uh, Ogawa versus uh, Kenta. Sho is uh, a training partner, like I said, of the Asaki Bros. Uh, so look for some similar concepts, uh, just done way less athletic, athletically. Um, he also happens to be a Muay Thai guy, former Muay Thai guy. And you can see it in his stance much more than the Osaki bros. He, he uses his leg kick in pretty good ways, um, throws them to the lead and back leg. I don't know if it's only when it's a slower paced fight or not, but he'll respond to your kicks uh, with a leg kick. Also throwing that at range. And when you're punching at him... Um, his performance against Yuma Yamahara was a 
dedicated like kicking performance which paid off really well by the end um rather weirdly but he still got the finish it was just a weird finishing sequence um he looks to mix up the cross at the end of a one two to the head and body um also looks to use his high guard and throw a lead hook as a response to your punches and sometimes a cross maybe a hook then a cross stuff like that um and uh, his inside fighting is just not particularly that great. Uh, and his defense has been cracked through with just a bit of insistence and combinations a number of times. Um, it, <laughs> it tries to do like the Osaki slips that they do, but just like kind of fails because his reactions aren't that good and his eyes aren't that good in comparison. But I think he's got a little bit of a better better shot selection than Kenta does on the inside. Uh, not better shot selection, maybe more varied, uh, whereas Kenta's got more of just jab cross type stuff. But it, it honestly could be enough. Um, I think this fight does surprisingly have a high possibility of being the most boring fight on the card somehow, Ken, uh, considering Shiro and Kazane are on this card. Um, but Kenta happens to be... Uh, a kicker as well, and they both kind of concede to kicking range, and then we'll just kick each other at that range, and it's really boring. Um, but occasionally in the pocket, Kenta will look to frame with his lead hand and find the cross that way, which could be decent. Also trying to find distance that way. Kenta also will throw his cross, follow it with a lead hook at, at times, uh, but mainly looks to do damage with his cross. And I think if Kenta just concedes mid to long range with Show, um, he's likely to lose that. But I don't know. We'll see. I don't really give a shit about that fight. Uh, so I'm going to go to really the last one that we have on this, second to last one we have on this one, which is Ryujin Nasukawa versus Ryotaro Yoshida. Um, Ryotaro is all on deep kick, which is. Uh, a corporation that you can't actually see can't actually see his uh his fights because it's on dvd so fucking annoying but uh ryujin's got great insistence um he's like 17 or some shit he's tension nasukawa's brother talked about him before um and uh he has really good stuff to see at this age um he catches kicks which is great. If Ryujin continues to develop to develop his inside game, he will be a fucking force. Because uh, he already has really good reactions. Also, as he grows, because he's only like 17, everything will get better. Um, his decision making is really good already. Like, uh, what's his name? Rui Okubo was uh, something that you can see with that. He knows what he has to do to win fights. Like, uh, in the past, he's been given the ability to kind of work uh, and looks good for the majority of the fighters that he's fighting um, for that reason. But against Rui Okubo, he's another really good 17-year-old, uh, which is the best fighter he's fought. And he looked pretty good against him, um, being Rui being way taller than him, uh, faster than him as well. Uh, Ryujin was looking to counter Okubo on his entries. Ryujin can also punch off his kicks and kick off his punches. Um, 
hopefully that'll kind of mesh into his game as time goes on. Uh, he's also got really active feints and uh, pretty varied shot selection that will come naturally. Uh, and he looks to give you a lot of threats to the body, head, and leg. Um, so good things to see. Look out for him. Um, and then the last one is uh, Koyuki Miyazaki. She's uh, fighting another girl who doesn't have any fights uh, that I can watch. So I'm just going to briefly talk about her. Um, she's only like 23 days older than me. Kind of cool. Um, decent wins. Uh, Saya Ito, who's held a ton of belts in Muay Thai and kickboxing. Uh, apparently she fought Tension in 2010. Uh, I don't know what the story behind that is. I'm just peeking at her wiki. Uh, and apparently she's fought Tension. Kind of cool. Um, Momi, I guess, is a decent win, and Reina Sato, who's decent, and also a good bit bigger, stronger than her, but she made that fight work by pressing for the inside, and Sato didn't really want to exchange with her, so Koyuki would throw her 1-2-1 combo that she does a lot, finding good angles by bending down, doing an upward jab type of thing that she really likes, um, and Sato is looking to punish Koyuki's entries with kicks, uh, sometimes also at range at the end of uh, or the end of a jab, rather. And Koyuki either looked to parry, um, or enter off of it, or back up, or just didn't react. Uh, and got hit to the body. It was certainly Sato's best offense, for sure, but it was an easy Koyuki win. Um, but yeah, Koyuki's got good eyes, able to slip at range with combinations uh, coming at her, and able to enter off of on those combinations, which is a really good habit to have. She uses a good front kick, develops that to faint off of and then enter off of that that's also like one of her only range tools because uh, she's like five feet tall and 100 pounds i think or 102 but it's cool she's she looks to find angles on her punches which is really nice opting for like an up jab like i mentioned um or bending with her legs to find like a certain angle with her shoulders uh to come across somebody else's shoulders um, and some good body work occasionally uh, that I hope becomes more prevalent with time. And that's pretty much it for the whole card. I kind of rambled for a while, but make sure to watch that. Make sure to uh, subscribe to the fight site, follow Beyond Kick, and fuck off. <laughs>